Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of State House Spotlights, your weekly podcast that provides quick, timely updates about K-12 education legislation across the country. I'm Ashley Mullins, and I serve as National Legislative Director at Excelinet in Action, where I help to guide the organization's Ledge Affairs team. Our fearless advocacy team leader, Tom Green, is out at several state capitals this week, but today I'll be joined by another teammate, Marcos Lopez. Marcos serves as our team's legislative director in the Western states, where he works with leaders and policymakers to promote student-centered solutions focused on educational quality, innovation, and opportunity. Welcome, Marcos. Thanks, Ashley. I'm excited to fill in as co-host today. On this episode, we will dive into a bit of a contentious topic, but an important one, and that are states that are attempting to roll back good education policies. Despite the evidence showing the positive impacts of policies like third grade retention, school accountability, and parental choice programs, some lawmakers are still taking actions to weaken them. Why is that? And what can be done to successfully defend good policies from attack? We'll dive into that more later, but I'm excited that we'll be specifically talking about three bills that we're calling the Backtrack Trio in the state of Arizona. But first, Ashley will give us a rundown of the state actions we're watching this week. Thanks, Marcos. This past week, seven new states, California, Idaho, Iowa, Michigan, Mississippi, Nebraska, and South Carolina joined the band of states considering early literacy improvements in 2024. We're really excited to see some new names on the list. And we told you earlier uh, in the series that this policy set would just continue to grow this session, and we're excited to see that. Efforts to strengthen the teacher pipeline are also heating up. We have a number of states considering bills to create retention grants, student teacher stipends, educator pay increases, and new pathways to earning a teaching endorsement. And those states include Colorado, Idaho, Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Virginia. And then we also want to give some love to the governors. Three of them enjoyed some key legislative moments this week. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds' early literacy and charter school bills advanced to the floor in their respective chambers. We told you a little bit about her early literacy package on a previous episode, and we're really excited to see that move through the process in Iowa. In New Hampshire, Governor Chris Sununu gave his final state of the state. We will certainly miss him in that role. But in his state of the state, he did champion expanding the state's really popular Education Freedom Accounts program. And we reported last week that House Bill 1665 uh, did pass through the full House and heads to the Senate, and that would increase income eligibility for the program. And the New Mexico governor, Lujan Grisham, celebrated a budget win, including $30 million for a new literacy center and some teacher salary increases in their state budget, which was finalized and their session adjourned. And then I also just want to highlight a couple of additional bills that are moving swiftly through their legislative processes. Indiana Senate Bill 185, which we've talked about previously, it regards cell phones in classrooms. That is slated to pass the House this week, and it will head to Governor Holcomb's desk, so we might see that signed very soon. Virginia is also making moves to improve their already comprehensive Virginia Literacy Act to ensure that 3Qing instruction and materials aren't used in the classrooms there. Companion bills have passed both of their chambers and the opposite chambers this week, so hopefully we'll see that finalized soon. And in Florida, Senator Aaron Grawl is carrying House Bill 1 in the Senate. This bill, which overwhelmingly passed the House, passed its Senate committee and heads to the Senate floor already. House Bill 1 prevents children under the age of 16 from accessing social media and children under the age of 18 from accessing harmful content. So lots moving across the states, and we'll continue to report on that each week. But let's go ahead and dive into today's topic. Across the country, we are witnessing states revisiting 
and in some cases, reversing education policies that have shown promise in improving student achievement and outcomes. These policies, which are often backed by research and evidence, range from increasing funding to schools, to comprehensive early literacy, parental choice, and teacher training programs, and more. So why do we see this sort of thing happening despite all of the data and evidence showing these policies work if states stick with them? Unfortunately, it's usually political pressure rather than following the data and evidence. And we'll hear a little bit more about that happening in the real world in Arizona later in the episode with Marcos. Despite the ongoing debates surrounding education policy, there is encouraging data that highlights the positive impact of these initiatives on student achievement and success. So why don't we go ahead and delve into some of the numbers and uncover the valuable insights that they provide to us. I'll start with A through F accountability systems. These systems, which evaluate schools, as you can imagine, on various factors, and then assign them a letter grade from A through F, have been implemented across a number of states. In addition to being transparent and easily understood by families and the public, there were recent studies that have shown that schools that are subject to an A through F grading system have shown improvements in student performance. We see that in states like Florida and Oklahoma, where these systems have been in place for years, and there's evidence of increased student achievement and narrowed achievement gaps between subgroups of students, which is really important. We always say what you measure well gets fixed, and so A through F is certainly a transparent way to do that, and it does have a solid track record. 100%, Ashley. It is clear that A through F accountability systems provide valuable feedback to schools, identify areas for improvement, and drive positive changes in education. Now, shifting our focus to school choice programs, the research is clear. It indicates that students participating in school choice programs, such as voucher programs and charter schools, often experience positive academic outcomes. Studies have shown that students enrolled in these programs have higher graduation rates, improved test scores, and increased college enrollment rates compared to their peers in traditional public schools. Absolutely, Marcos. The data on school choice program effectiveness does highlight the importance of providing families with options and empowering them to choose the best educational fit for their children. And then finally, you know, something we've talked about a lot on the podcast lately is early literacy. And one part of early literacy policy is third grade retention. So let's talk about that. These aim to ensure that students are proficient in reading by the end of third grade, because we know that's when students transition from learning to read to reading to learn. And research suggests that these policies can have a significant long-term benefit for students. And I want to be clear on our podcast today that a retention policy alone is not what we're talking about. We would certainly not advocate holding kids back for the sake of holding kids back. But coupled with early identification of struggling readers and intervention and support, third grade retention policies that give students more time to master those fundamental reading skills have been associated with improved literacy skills higher graduation rates, and reduced dropout rates. It's evident that third grade retention policies do play a critical role in setting those students up for success academically and in life. And the positive data surrounding these policies underscores the importance of early literacy development and targeted intervention to support students' learning journeys. So all this positive data we've explored today reaffirms the value of these policies, right? A through F accountability systems, school choice programs, third grade retention policies, all improve student outcomes, and foster educational excellence. However, despite the data pointing to the effectiveness of these policies, some lawmakers are opting to roll them back. Sometimes that's due to budget constraints, political pressures, or differing ideologies, but the consequences of those decisions can have far-reaching implications for students and their educational opportunities. 
This troubling trend raises important questions about the priorities and decision-making process of policymakers. Is rolling back good education policy acting in the best interest of students, or are other factors at play? It's crucial to consider the impact of weakening these policies, especially on vulnerable student populations who stand to benefit the most from targeted interventions. From students with disabilities to those from low-income backgrounds, the stakes are high when it comes to ensuring access to quality education. And let's not forget about the dedicated educators who are on the front lines working tirelessly to support their students. When good policies are rolled back, it not only undermines their efforts, but also might erode trust in the education system if we're constantly changing policies and moving the goalposts. So this year, several states are weighing bills that would weaken good education policies, and we can run down a few of those here for you today. We've talked about Florida before, and the Florida Senate is attempting to roll back key pieces of accountability in that state and transparency that they have on public schools under the guise of creating a quote-unquote level playing field with private schools. And if you want to learn more about that, listen to our last podcast with our CEO, Patricia Levesque, for a little bit more on why there will never be a level playing field. So, So go back and listen to that one for some more insights. Also in Florida, Senator Simon's Senate Bill 7004, which would weaken high school graduation requirements, did pass the Senate in that state. Mississippi's Representative William Tracy Arnold introduced House Bill 639, which would weaken the state's accountability system. It would actually replace A through F grading with a confusing zero to 1,000 point numerical grading system, which certainly would not be as clear for families and the general public as A through F would be. Missouri Senator Jill Carter's Senate Bill 814 passed its first committee, and this bill would weaken school accountability by eliminating requirements for the Department of Ed to produce accountability report cards for schools and to develop a statewide assessment. Taking away information is not the best way to empower parents. And a trio of pretty egregious bills are also being heard in Arizona, one of your states, Marcos. Let's dive deeper into what's going on there. That's right, Ashley. Now we're calling these three bills, which are Senate Bill 1465, Senate Bill 1654, and House Bill 2563, the backtrack trio, because some Arizona lawmakers want to backtrack on the state's commitment to educational progress, despite hard-earned learning gains in recent years. In a nutshell, these three bills would roll back standards for teaching children to read, reduce school transparency for parents, rewrite the law that holds schools accountable for learning and limit how parents of students using the state's ESA programs or the empowerment scholarship accounts can use their funds. If the backtrack trio of bills pass, students can lose access to evidence-based reading instruction. Communities would lose access to easy-to-understand A through F letter grades that indicates how the schools are performing and more. All right, Marcos, I want to ask you to shed a little bit more light on what's going on there in Arizona. And so Senator Ken Bennett's Senate Bill 1465, you mentioned would harm efforts to improve early literacy by repealing the required literacy endorsement for teachers in grades K to 5, making the endorsement only voluntary. What's your read on this and what are the potential challenges that could arise if this passes? Yeah, so this bill in particular is probably one of the most harmful ones within the trio. And part of the reason is that it is undermining the science of reading endorsements that teachers have to get by 2028 before it's even been fully implemented. This bill would affect that science of reading requirement endorsement that was just passed last legislative session. So this means that before this program is even really taking full root, before we are making sure that we're properly equipping our educators to teach students 
how to read properly and really focus on that investment on early childhood literacy, it's already trying to be undermined. Now, a main reason that we're seeing this happen, part of it, it seems to be some larger kind of political forces that play, but underlying it all, there seems to be a push by the Arizona Educators Association uh, that they essentially want to get more money for the teachers if they're pursuing these endorsements. They're concerned that this might ruin the teacher retention for teachers who might be close to retiring, which we would definitely disagree with that premise. This is a crucial, crucial element when it comes to making sure that students are actually learning to read. And when we look at the literacy proficiency rates in the state of Arizona, which are sub 50%, most of them are hovering around 40 to 43% literacy in each district. Yeah, Marcos, that's really frustrating that a policy that was literally just passed, right, doesn't even have the chance to get implemented is already, you know, legislators are already looking to roll it back. So that is frustrating. There's another one that would harm school accountability in the state, and that's Ken Bennett's Senate Bill 1654. And that's the one that would remove the A through F letter grading and replace it with a performance classification system of meeting, exceeding, or failing to meet expectations. You know, it just really feels like switching to those descriptors. It's just going to invite some more questions about what those expectations are and who sets them and what threshold would earn a school either of those performance classifications. Tell us more about that one. Yeah, so this one is actually part of a much larger bill. The bill actually targets as well the way that auditing works in the school district. It changes and removes some of the powers to be able to go in and see how the schools are spending the money. But it's these sections that we are extremely concerned about. Uh, obviously, A through F is something super innate, super uh, simple to understand. For anyone who's ever been to any part of grade school, you're familiar with what A through F just inherently means, right? A means that you are succeeding and going above and beyond. And F means you're probably failing some real critical areas that need improvement. And this is a great shortcut for parents to easily understand how the schools and the school districts are performing, and in particular in a state in Arizona where you have so many choice options and you're trying to utilize your ability to choose what school you want to go to, this provides a very important tool for transparency that's easy to understand for parents how the schools in their area are performing so they're able to exercise their choice in a meaningful way. And what's really distressing about all of this is they're essentially seeking to change these monikers without really going to the heart of what is needed. A large amount of the argument they're hearing as well, because there is a parallel bill in the House as well that is seeking to change this as well, is that some lawmakers are frustrated that the board isn't given out enough Ds and Fs because of how poor so many of the public schools in Arizona are performing. But rather than you know look under the hood, see what's going on with the car, they're just choosing to remove the monikers completely. And without really tinkering with what needs to be tackled, which is how the school board gives these A through Fs out. So this is going to harm parents. It's going to make the situation worse. And we can see what happens in these moments by just looking to New York City, right? Uh, New York City had an A through F system for many years up to 2013. And when the new mayor came in, he moved away from the A through F system. And the Manhattan Institute looked at this and saw that Overall, the removal of the A through F harmed the worst schools the most because they had the least incentive to improve. And we saw overall that the trend of the school's academic achievements were going down. So this would be a very bad move to Arizona. And in fact, if this is coupled with everything else that we are concerned about in Arizona, 
uh, it would be likely extremely detrimental to the educational outcomes of the students. Marcos, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to talk about New York. We have a perfect example of how rolling back this policy then negatively impacts student achievement in those schools. And so, you know, Arizona only needs to look to New York to see what not to do, but they could look to Florida and other states to see what they should do. And, you know, if they continue down this path and ensure that they're accurately measuring student achievement, giving transparent grades to their schools, what gets measured can get improved. And so rolling that back is certainly frustrating, and we hope that that doesn't happen. There's another bill in the House, Representative Nancy Gutierrez, House Bill 2563, which would harm more than 72,000 families who are currently exercising school choice by restricting Arizona Universal Empowerment Scholarship accounts and limiting how the families can use those ESA funds. Tell us about where that bill is in the process. So essentially what the bill would have done, which is something that for school choice advocates across the country to keep an eye on, because these will likely be similar ideas that will be raised in those states that have implemented it already in the future. But the worst of the worst is that before students can enter an ESA program, they have to be enrolled in a public school for at least 100 days. It requires private schools to accommodate students with disabilities in accordance with specialized plans. And it would stop private schools receiving taxpayer dollars from increasing tuition and fees rates higher than inflation. Lastly, require private schools to have a minimum education requirement for teachers providing instruction to CSA students. Obviously, a lot of these restrictions are burdensome and we oppose them when they're imposed on the private sector because a lot of those are restrictive to the way that private sector schools operate. But the good news is, is that we are seeing that this bill will be dead and will not have any legs to move through. This past Friday was an important deadline in the Arizona State House, and we thankfully are happy to report that this bill was not taken up and introduced by the Republican majority. That's fabulous, Marco. So I'm glad we're ending on a positive note on this backtrack trio of bills, but we do have to remain vigilant because there are a couple other bills that would still certainly negatively impact students and teachers and families across the state of Arizona. So we'll continue to monitor and advocate against those. In the face of legislative attacks on good education policies, it's important to highlight past instances where strong state leaders and organizations like Excel and Ed in Action and others have teamed up to successfully defend these policies. Actually, let's just look at 2023. Let's end on a high note and share some wins. Agreed. So it's important to remember that it is possible to thwart these attacks on good education policies, especially those that have a proven track record of success and positive impact on students. Last year, the right voices prevailed in Alabama, where they successfully protected the state's A through F rating system and accountability framework by helping to ensure proposed legislation to alter that rating system didn't pass. Excel and Ed in Action also worked with Mississippi lawmakers to protect assessments and the state's accountability system and defeat bills that would have eliminated end-of-course assessments, the state's A through F school grading designations, and certain standardized tests, as well as created other potentially problematic changes to their statute. Legislation that would weaken school accountability by removing Algebra 2 as a graduation requirement did pass the New Mexico legislature. However, Excel and Ed in Action worked with state partners to ensure the bill was amended to allow an alternative math course, including financial literacy, to be offered as an alternative. In Tennessee, 
Man, Tennessee was a major battle. There were some lawmakers who hoped to eliminate the state's crucial early literacy policy that prevents students who cannot read from advancing to fourth grade. That third grade reading gate is so critical, as we talked about earlier in the episode. After a lot of educating and advocating, the state ultimately passed bills that made slight revisions to the state's third grade literacy promotion requirements while keeping the integrity of the law's original intent. These changes included some new data and reporting requirements, minor changes to the appeals process, and new tutoring requirements. And so that was a big win in Tennessee. Also in Tennessee last year, policymakers deliberated a proposal that would have limited the appellate authority of the Charter Commission and effectively cut off an appeal option for many charter schools in the event that their application was wrongfully denied by their local school district. And that proposal did fail to advance, and the Public Charter Schools Commission authority does remain intact. Last but not least, Texas policymakers successfully stalled a bill that would have eliminated the high school graduation exit exam requirement for earning a standard high school diploma. If passed, that legislation would have granted any former student who did not meet the exit exam requirement a standard high school diploma upon request. As we face these threats in Arizona, it's helpful to see that good policy can sometimes prevail. Ashley, you've got a lot of experience defending good policies while working for the organization. Can you give us some of your wisdom? What have you seen work and why do you think these strategies were so effective? Oh, I wish that wasn't the case, Marcos, but it is true, right? As we've seen, there's always a lot of attacks. Um, So rollbacks underscore the importance of robust advocacy and public engagement in defending policies supported by research and evidence. A couple of things that have helped us to defend against good education policy. We have to have solid data and information to share with policymakers so they are well informed. One of the other most critical pieces is building a strong coalition that can work in unison and share a common message. That's key. A diverse coalition can provide strength in numbers and also diverse perspectives, making it more difficult for policymakers to ignore or dismiss. And while lawmakers do appreciate hearing from advocates who are dedicated to the cause, we also have to educate and mobilize the public. Educating the public about the benefits of the policy and the potential consequences of rolling it back is really critical. And then using various communication channels such as media, social media, public forums, and educational campaigns to raise awareness and mobilize support help and get them to reach out to lawmakers too. That certainly helps. And while I usually like to stay positive as we advocate for policy, sometimes we do have to hold policymakers accountable for their decisions by publicly highlighting these attempts to roll back the policy and the potential negative consequences for the community. That's what, you know, we're having to do in Arizona right this moment. Using that public pressure to encourage policymakers to uphold their commitments and prioritize the public interest is is a really critical part of holding strong on these policies. And then, you know, lastly, there are challenges in maintaining policy continuity amidst changing political landscapes. You have to have a long-term strategy. You have to stay vigilant and monitor any developments or proposals that could threaten the policy. And as we've heard here today, right, the threats don't just stop because a good policy has passed. And so you have to stay vigilant. As we continue to navigate this complex landscape, it's really essential to engage in informed dialogue and advocate for and protect evidence-based policies that prioritize the needs of all students. Perfectly put, Ashley. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. We hope you have gained valuable insights today and you feel inspired to fight the good fight for students in your states. Let's remain vigilant in advocating for and upholding the principles of quality, access, and excellence in education. We have to remember the decisions made by policymakers today can shape the educational landscape for generations to come. So we have to continue to work together to ensure that every student has the opportunity to thrive and succeed. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, share your opinions with us on social media. You can engage with our team at Excelinet in Action on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and X. Give our podcast a review and subscribe so you're always the first to know about new episodes. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Statehouse Spotlights. Spotlights.